Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. With working from home and trying to stay in touch with friends and family, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to always be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset. That's when you reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. My moment to chill is watching baseball, especially when the White Sox are on. I like to have a Coors Light beside me. It's a great beer to have watching the games as it's cool and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. And even the mountains on my cans turn blue telling me that it's time to hit reset. Sit back, relax, and hunker down for an evening of White Sox baseball. So when it's time for you to unwind, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light and the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Must be 21 years or older to enjoy. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate responsibly. When you rely on the internet for everything, you need speed that can handle anything. Xfinity delivers Wi-Fi speed faster than a gig. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Restrictions apply. Gig Wi-Fi requires gig speed and compatible X-Fi gateway. Actual speeds vary, not guaranteed. This is Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station. A lot of excitement, a lot of energy, you know, on the field and, you know, in the dugout as well. Uh, you know, every pitch matter, uh, like I said. And, uh, you know, every every guy was into it today. And, uh, you know, was able to scratch away to win. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can keep that same momentum. Tim Anderson, three for four today, a double, a run scored in the White Sox victory over the Athletics. One win away from moving on to the DS. Joe Osho, Sports Radio 670, the score. Uh, We now bring in into the show my buddy, Josh Nelson. He hosts the Sox Machine podcast. Follow him on Twitter at Sox Machine underscore Josh. I mean, Josh, it would be simpler for Oakland if they would just listen to T.A., I, I can't get past this, man. I give the credit the, for the Sox for uh, pulling out this victory and what they were able to do playing long ball against Oakland. I I know he's a respected manager, but how the hell do you throw out a left-handed pitcher against the Sox? It's not a fluke that they were 14-0 and now 15-0 against left-handed starters. Every offensive category, they're right there at the top of baseball. I don't get it, man. Yeah, Bob Melvin's going to have a tough time with the Bay Area radio shows in the morning, questioning his decision-making, not just to have Jesus Lazardo start the game, but for Lazardo to face Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu a second time. And when they announced that Lazardo was the starter, Joe, I thought it was a trap. In the, sense that, <laughs> in the sense that Rick Renteria could be stacking a lineup, put all your right-handed hitters on the top to take advantage against the left-handed starter, and then after two innings, whoops, we're going all right-handed for the rest of the game, and that puts you in a pretty tight spot because the White Sox obviously are not as successful against right-handed pitching as they are against left-handed pitching. But that didn't come to fruition. They, they really wanted to test the young Jesus Lazardo, who's got a great arm. Uh, you know, any, you don't find too many lefties in the game of baseball, Joe, especially from starters who throw 96-97. But the decision on 2-0 to throw a center-cut fastball to Jose Abreu, 
is something that is going to keep Lizardo up at night, especially tonight, because that really gave the White Sox a comfortable lead, 3 nothing, and that's all really Lucas Giolito needed today because he was outstanding. We'll get back to the analysis of the game and uh, looking forward with Keiko on the bump tomorrow for game number two. But uh, let's remove your work for SoxMachine.com. Let's just talk about this as a fan growing up as such a big Sox fan. And it's been so long since you've seen your team that you think Mm -hmm. about 365 a year, man. What was that like for you sitting at home, I assume, in uh, 2020 and uh, just seeing your Sox on the field when it matters for the first time since 2008? At 10.30 in the morning, I got really nervous, Joe. Like, out of the blue, I had butterflies in my stomach, and I did not know why. And it was breaking my concentration, preparing for our pregame and and covering the game. And it's a good feeling to have. It's like a forgotten feeling. Like, for sports fans, we all have the butterflies in our stomach, and we get really excited for a big game. I mean, Bears fans have felt it. Blackhawks fans have felt it, especially during the Stanley Cup run. And even Chicago Cubs fans during the 2016 run. And some Cubs fans tomorrow morning, they're going to get those butterflies in the stomach too, waiting to watch game one. But when you've had such a long postseason drought, like the White Sox have had, I mean, I've got people tweeting at me that, hey, I was seven years old the last time the White Sox made the postseason. And making you feel incredibly old. Like, come on, man. <laughs> and, you know, now they're 19 and they're in college and they're kind of the age group that I was the last time the White Sox made the postseason in 2008. It's been such a long time. And I didn't know on how this young White Sox roster would handle being the postseason for the first time. I know Jose Bray's a veteran, but this was his first playoff game. And with him and Tim Anderson and Lucas Giolito, they nailed it. And just from an analysis standpoint, I feel really good about the White Sox chances to win tomorrow, having Dallas Keuchel on the mound. And you may see if that does come to fruition, the White Sox going to the American League Divisional Series, you're going to see White Sox fans get really hyped up. And maybe start believing that, yeah, this team could have a deep postseason run in 2020. It'll spark even more memories of what we had in 2005. Lucas Giolito, <laughs> he's taking a no. He already gave you a no hitter this year, and now we're in the playoffs, and people are questioning. Oh, I don't know if you can trust Lucas Giolito. This is the first playoff game in his career. Yeah, well, look in the other side. The Oakland decides to go with a lefty. He's 22 year old years old and a rookie um but nobody thought he was going to take a no-no into the seventh well he had a perfect game going into right the right exactly I know. uh he was terrific today and he did something that we did not see in the regular season lucas giolito threw more sliders than change-ups so he had 100 pitches today 54 were fastballs and a typical lucas giolito starts if he throws 100 pitches 40 of them are going to be change-ups, and then the other six pitches are attempts to throw a breaking ball, either a curveball or slider. But he and James McCann had a clear game plan, probably anticipating that Oakland hitters, looking at film, were sitting back waiting for the change-up. And instead of that, he was throwing sliders. And that really kept 
the Oakland hitters off balance. And I think it was a big contributor on why Lucas Giolito was so successful. Yes, he did allow somewhat hard-ish contact in the early innings, but when you have Lurie Garcia in left field and you got Luis Robert in center field and you got Adam Ingle in right field, that's a lot of athleticism in the outfield defensively that can cover a lot of ground where there's a lot of ground to cover in Oakland. And that defense alignment really worked out well for Lucas Giolito. And then he hit another gear, and he was able to get into the eighth inning. And even though he ran into a little trouble, he left the game with runners on first and third and no outs in the eighth inning. The White Sox had a four-run lead. Like, there wasn't ever at a time where there was a great concern that Lucas Giolito was going to melt down and blow up and the White Sox were going to lose game one. I really – I didn't have that feeling at all. And it was probably one of the best postseason performances by any Chicago White Sox starting pitcher in franchise history, which is saying a lot because it's a long history, but it's also a very short postseason. But it, it ranks up there with what we saw in 2005. And we saw some pretty outstanding starts from the White Sox starting pitchers in 2005. And Giolito, he's got to be a static man. For that to be your first postseason start in your career, and you turn out that performance, man, I, I hope that fuels him for his next start, which I hope is going to be in a divisional series, either against Houston or Minnesota. When Rick Renteria went out there, yeah, did you have, have the same re- – <laughs> I think you did. I was going to say, did you have the same reaction I did? Because I was talking to my television out loud, watching the game <laughs> by myself. I said – just don't do something stupid, whatever you do. <laughs> Did you do you that? know, he pulled it. Yeah. When he went out there, I thought he was going to pull what I call an Ozzy. Ozzy Gian did this all the time. He would go out there, talk to his starter, hype him up. You good? Okay. And then left. Like, to give him kind of like a physical vote of confidence that I believe that you can get through this inning. I think when Renteria went out to the mound to talk to Giolito, he made it very simple. Listen, I'll let you go, but if you give up another base runner, i got to take you out. And sure enough, Giolito gives up a single, runner goes from first to third, and Renteria kept his word and went to the bullpen. But I'm okay with that decision. I know there are some critics right now that say that maybe Giolito should have not came out in the eighth inning. Maybe Renteria should have pulled Giolito after the walk. Listen, you're up by four runs, and Giolito's your ace, and he hasn't hit the 100-pitch mark yet. And I know that things can get out of hand, but for someone like Lucas Giolito that has proven time and time again, especially in 2020, that he can get through this, I think Giolito needs those moments to demonstrate that, yes, I can get through the eighth inning, even though I'm approaching 100 pitches, and I want this. And when it comes to baseball teams and the aces, the aces want to die on their shield and they want that opportunity to do so. They don't want to walk a guy come out. And then the white Sox bullpen melts down when they felt like, man, if you left me in, I could have thrown a slider. It would have been a ground ball. We got a double play and we'd be in a different situation. So I'm okay with Renteria coming out and letting Giolito, letting Giolito know that if you let another base runner on, I got to take you out. But at least he gave Giolito that opportunity to prove his medal and the opportunity to get through the eighth inning. But Giolito today didn't get it done. Renteria still had the quick hook, and it didn't cost the White Sox.
That's right. Joe Ostrowski here, 670 The Score, my guest. Josh Nelson, host of the Sox Machine podcast, at Sox Machine underscore Josh. Uh, what, do you, what do you think about Aloy? We, we hear about the foot sprain today, had some discomfort, but he's on the playoff roster. Hopefully it wasn't too big mm-hmm. of a setback here. He's on this playoff roster for this round. Uh, do you think we're going to see him tomorrow? I do think we'll see him tomorrow. The question is, in what capacity? Is he the left fielder? Or is he the DH? I'm okay if he's the DH. And then you run the same outfield that you ran today with Lurie Garcia in left field, Luis Robert in center field, and Adam Engel in right field. I wouldn't be expecting much offensively from Adam Engel and Lurie Garcia against game two starter for Oakland, Chris Bassett. But again, the athleticism, they're going to be defensive upgrades for you in those corners. And you can allow Luis Robert to roam in center field and run down every ball that's hit out there. I'm okay with that. And Jimenez can just focus on hitting. And I understand that the foot is going to be an issue. If he hits one of the gap, we're all going to be holding our breath as he strolls into second base or he tries to go from first to third. My game plan for him would be just hit homers and walk around the bases. That'll make things a lot easier for you. But I do think the White Sox need Jimenez's bat. And I think the reason he didn't play today is because Renteria was really set on having Yasmani Grandal in the lineup with James McCann. And he really likes the McCann and Giolito pairing. And I foresee that sticking throughout the rest of the postseason. Um, But he wants Grandal's bat in the lineup. It worked out today. He had a solo shot because Grandal works the counts, and he gets on base. And I think it's okay that Jimenez did not play game one, but I do expect Jimenez to be in the lineup tomorrow. Again, the question is, is he the DH or is he the left fielder? My vote would be have him DH. Over on points bet, Josh, the athletics are favored tomorrow. Game two with Bassett on the mound. The A's are minus 125 favorites. The Sox no. with Keiko plus 105 underdogs. What's your feeling about tomorrow? I 105. The Oakland Athletics <laughs> are not good against left-handed pitching. I think Dallas Keuchel is going to carve up Oakland. And this is going to be a repeat where you're going to have athletic fans bite their fingernails because they're not, they wouldn't, haven't scored a run, and it's now the seventh inning again. Uh, I'm expecting Dallas Keuchel to pitch at least six scoreless innings. Now, if you're doing prop bets and you're looking at Keiko's strikeout total, I don't think it's going to be that high. But Keiko's going to really frustrate these Oakland hitters. I'm expecting a lot of ground balls from the Oakland hitters. And he's not going to walk these guys. And if Oakland's not walking, they're not all that great offensively. So I would take the White Sox. I mean, if they're the underdog at 105, I would take them. If you want some juice, uh, if you want to turn up the odds, I'd probably take the White Sox at negative one and a half and increase your odds as far as mm. that bet. That's, that's the play that I would go. I would add more juice. I am far more confident in the White Sox winning game two than I was today in game one. And uh, especially if they follow the same script against Chris Bassett tomorrow, uh, I think the White Sox could win by two or three runs. Beautiful. Uh See, I don't even think you need to do that for the extra juice. I, I'm looking. They're, they're doing another boost tomorrow, Josh. You can get uh, the Sox plus 125 straight up. That's a good play. Oh, that's, yeah, that's what I got <laughs> today with a points bet. I also got the Jose Abreu home run prop bet. Did you? Oh, yeah, no, what was that? That was oh. plus 285. So uh, 
a nice little a nice little shot there in the arm as far as the bets. Uh, home run wise tomorrow against Bassett, I would go with either Aloy Jimenez or Abreu again. Both Abreu and Jimenez, fun fact, were better against right-handed pitching this year than left-handed pitching. So if you want a White Sox player to hit a home run, whether in daily fantasy sports or prop bets, I would go with either Jimenez or Abreu. Excellent. Love it. Uh, Do you have any futures alive for any teams? Oh, yeah. I got San Diego Padres plus 45 um, before the season started. I have White Sox plus 35. I, I hopped on the Reds bandwagon. I know you've been talking about them. I got them at plus 3,300. Um, All right. So I, I'm looking good. <laughs> Cubs fans don't want to hear this. I did put some money on the Marlins because they're in the playoffs now, and they've never lost a playoff series in franchise history. It's an incredibly small sample size, but it's 2020. We're in chaos. I just watched Shane Bieber throw four pitches, and he's already (laughs) down two nothing. Um, Yeah, so why not throw some money on the Marlins? I think the Cubs should win that series, but just chaos. Uh, I have some money on the Marlins. But I do want to brag for a second. I did put money on Trey Turner to lead the league in hits, that hit, and I did put money on Jose Abreu to lead the league in RBIs at plus 40 to 1, and uh, those both cashed. So I'm doing well with the baseball bets in 2020. The market, man, it still does not respect Jose Abreu. How is he 40 to 1 after last year? How? Yeah, did, did not, but you know what? I am thankful. So thank what, you. What, <laughs> what, what were the Turner odds? Uh, uh, that was 20 to one. Yeah. I had most hits for Turner and I had most hits for Anderson and Anderson was right there. If he didn't miss 10 games, Anderson could have won. Anderson was 25 to one and Turner was 20 to one. And I only put money on Turner because I wrote a column for Sox machine looking at last year's numbers, uh, for the last 60 games of the season and Trey Turner led the league in hits. So I was kind of shocked that he was at 20 to one odds. I would figure that the Vegas sports books would looked at, would have looked at that before setting the odds. Um, but I was able to take advantage of that. Good calls, Josh. I, uh, I hope we see a White Sox Reds World Series. I'd be very happy. <laughs> I and, saw and, your bet. I, <laughs> <laughs> I buy me a beer. If that happens, just buy me a beer. I'm already in with both teams to win the World Series, and I was thinking, you know what? Let's just go all the way in. So yeah, I found a, why not? I found a World Series matchup: White Sox and Reds, 119 to one today. <laughs> I, I've been hearing rumors that White Sox Padres is an incredibly popular World Series bet right now. I I may have made that one too. Yeah. <laughs> not not a great number. It was in the 40s. Not a great exactly. number. But yeah, yeah. But and I was like, okay, I. I think it's going to be the Padres or the Reds, so why not? I mean, let's, uh, let's get the White Sox. One, one nineteen to one. You put a nickel on that puppy. I mean, as soon as you get some vaccines going, you're going to have a very nice vacation with the family, or just you and your wife to to go and rent out an island for a week. Listen, if the White Sox win, please. You saw the 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 first wager at points bet in the state of Illinois. Yours truly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's going to be a party. I might be. I might have to call off for a week, or maybe they'll just know that I'll be gone for a week, 
and uh, you'll be invited. Josh Nelson, Socks Machine. Uh, check out his podcast. Subscribe. Follow him on Twitter at Socks Machine underscore Josh. Thanks, Josh. Enjoy uh, tomorrow and the rest of the postseason. Yep, absolutely. Thank you so much, Joe. That's Josh Nelson. <laughs> very, very excited. And some of the texters are chiming in. Like, boy, Josh is jacked. Yes, he is. And he has every right to be. So do all of you Sox fans. Uh, coming up next, David Ross had some interesting things to say about his decision to go with Kyle Hendricks in game one instead of you, Darvish. We'll take a listen to what Rossi had to say next. I'm Joe Ostrowski on 670 The Score and the Radio.com app. When your entire life is online, you need more than just speed from your internet. Xfinity gives you reliable in-home Wi-Fi coverage, plus protection from Wi-Fi network threats. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today to learn more. Restrictions apply.